stumbled onto this station, don't attempt to adjust your device. My name is Mr. Graves, and I'll be your gateway to the sounds of the macabre. Get back or I'll shoot! I did what I had to do. Every two weeks, we'll have new terror-filled tales that will have you afraid to turn the lights off. Not too many folks want to stay somewhere that someone was found dead. I wanted to scream, but I knew I couldn't. What was that? Jeffries isn't here. Join me in our cast of victims for the scariest program of your life. Your Horror Show. Premiering July 25th on all podcast platforms. Listen if you dare. <laughs> There's a double strike in Hollywood, so we have news of cancellations abound. And an old Cartoon Network promo has done wonders to our Instagram account. So, of course, you realize this means podcast. Are you ready, eager young space cadet? <laughs> Where's the kaboom? There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. Hello and welcome to Of Course You Realize This Means Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Graves, and with me today, it is a return uh, of sorts with my fellow guest here. Mike Manolo is back on the podcast to talk about promos. That's right. This Means Promos is what we're talking about. Uh, Classic Bugs Bunny or Looney Tunes inspired promotions for other brands uh that they did all the way back from the 1950s and on and with the creative team so this had Frisk Freeling this had Chuck Jones this had Bob McKimson everybody was working on this and of course Mel Blank did all of the voices so you know they're good they're quality i cannot believe the art that is in these promos for things that you would never associate Looney Tunes with, such as post cereals or um, Tang. <laughs> it's a living when I get all the Tang I want. I hope you do too. But first, let's get into some news. Uh, Mike, first of all, how are you doing? I, I'm just kind of speeding through this. Mike, how are you doing? And welcome to the show. Ah, oh, John, thank you so much for having me back. I, I had so much fun the last time we chatted. Um, I mean, like, I know that that was uh, a pretty controversial topic, to say the least, but a great and really important and relevant one. I think we, I, last time I was here, we talked about uh, some of the, the racism and off-color uh, episodes that we've, we've seen of Looney Tunes. Um, so it was an honor to be there for that. Um, we came in planning to, to talk about something pretty innocent, which is uh, commercials, but we're in the midst of another controversial like time right now, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. And I'm looking forward to talking about both of them. Um, but yeah. just, just the fact that you have, you're, you're having me back and we're able to talk about um, something, something that just is, is so meaningful to us, which is just these characters and the Looney Tunes and everything. Um, I always love coming on, man. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it. So thank you so thank much. You. I'm doing good. How are you? good i'm i'm well i was actually driving and i was like oh my gosh he's gonna be on two controversial episodes for like for different reasons but also we have yet to actually talk about a a short a cartoon if you will with these characters so i'm gonna have to get you back a third time already like i'm pre-planning like i gotta get you back a third time so we can actually talk about something that is an actual looney tune <laughs> but before we can, we got to talk about what's happening now. And yeah. what's happening now is there's a WGA strike WGA. Mm -hmm. and a SAG after strike. And so those are two different camps. They're both artists and they're both creating these, you know, pieces of cinema that are going to last the test of time. And they are so important to our our society, our pop culture. And you're a cosplayer. You like to dress up as the characters that these actors inhabit, that these writers write. And it is because of the writing and because of the acting that they're memorable. It's not because somebody gave them money. It's not because a studio like pushed this along. You know, it is 
the talent behind this that came together. And so as a fan, as an influencer Mm -hmm. for Looney Tunes, I, (laughs) I do not have a union ship. I am not a part of one of these, but I am supportive of artists. And so here at the podcast, we are WGA strong and SAG after strong. And those are the hashtags that I've been using on my social media Mm -hmm. to show my support. You can also show your support at sagafter.com and you can give to an entertainment fund uh, where they are putting money toward those that are out of work right now. So a lot of writers, a lot of TV creators and the rooms, the writers rooms are, are shut down right now. And so there's a lot of people that have been out of work for a long time. Like this is going on eight weeks i think or somewhere somewhere around there yeah and so you know and the sag after one just started and so now actors are going to be out of work and that not only includes you know the actors that you know but also actors that are background actors that are just you know trying to make a day's living and it's you know going to be a struggle for them so our hearts go out to all those that are striking we are with you in solidarity mike what is your take on all this how crazy is it and you know, what, what's your opinion here? Well, to, to first answer how crazy it is, this is unprecedented. This is the first time anything like this has happened since Ronald Reagan was the president, not of the United States, but of SAG. You wow. know, uh, that's that's going back a long time. Yeah. And it's because, let's be honest, times have significantly changed. But if there's one thing that doesn't change, unfortunately, it's greed. And when we think about um, the artists and the hardworking people that actually put their all into these works of arts that we love so much, whether it's Looney Tunes, whether it's whatnot, you know, no robot put all this together. No. Okay, guys, no AI put all this together. This was lovingly written by people who absolutely love comedy, love laughter, love animation. You know, a lot of writers out there who, who aren't getting their due. And let's be honest, I mean, like, um, my heart goes out to the writers a lot because I, I consider myself a writer by trade. I love writing, you know, honestly. And and let's also be honest here. If we're going to face facts, who who gets put on front of the camera and who gets the, the name recognition and the fame and all of that credit? A lot of times it's the actors who also aren't getting treated fairly, but the writers hardly get their due, you know, in yeah. especially in this town and in general. And none of what is possible in pop culture, in cinema, in television, in these works of art is possible without a script, a very strong and good script. Um, And and I really felt for the writers um, when all they asked for was like a 2% increase in their pay and no greedy studio wanted to cough that up. 2%, guys. 2%. I mean, let's think about what that means in terms of executive salaries. That is a drop in the bucket. Nobody is 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 really asking for the world here. They're just asking for enough to get by. Now, that's my stance on the writers. When we think about the actors and you think about the people who are actors by trade, you have people who are struggling. We're not talking about, no offense to them, we love these guys. We're not talking about the A-listers like, like Robert Downey Jr. or like Matt Damon or anything like that who are making millions on films. They're not even talking about them. They are talking about the hardworking individuals that are used to fill the spaces of these films, whether they're extras, background characters, side characters, all of that stuff, who are getting paid peanuts. And to not only deprive these people of, you know, wages that they need to actually live because they're not earning a whole lot. Let's be honest, they're earning peanuts. They deserve to make a little bit more and they're actually making up their movies. But to also, you know... uh, deprive them of the potential to do multiple days of work, multiple days that they actually need by replicating them with background looping AI stuff. Um, You know, that's not fair. That's not right. You're taking away jobs, you're reducing jobs and you're, you're doing, you're doing this all in the service of, again, more corporate greed. Let's be honest. I mean, like when we're talking about how many of these salaries, uh, how, how many, how much money these people are making in their annual salaries, we're talking 200, million dollars a year for some of the fourth or third level executives like highest level executives in this country much less people like david zasloff who are making even more than that you know um it's not a lot to ask for a little bit more for a lot of people who are actually doing the legitimate hard work 
for you to actually make your content, to actually give people a reason to subscribe in your streaming services, the sheer fact that you can't appreciate not just the artistry, but the, the hard day's work of, of these people, the passion that they put into it, the creativity that they put into it, it's just, it's just a real shame. And it's really heartbreaking. And I really hope that this turns heads. I really hope the fact that this has been undisputedly unprecedented um, since since the Reagan era of SAG. Since <laughs> Ronald Reagan was an actor, for God's sake, not even the president. Um, you know, I Ronald mean, like Reagan, that. I, the I'm, actor. Right. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like Doc Brown, you know, I mean, like, yeah. back in the Doc Brown days, that's the last time we struck. We, we had we had a strike of this 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 magnitude. I hope that turns heads and I hope people realize that, yeah, technology is getting better. Yeah, technology can be used for a lot of things. Yeah, technology can be used for distribution and you're getting a lot more money in distribution because of that. Recognize the people that are making that possible. For God's sake, they're not asking for much. They're just asking for dignity and treatment, you know, on par with anybody who's just trying to make an honest living in this life. Amen to that. So and I'll get off so, my soapbox. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it it was a great rant uh, about the whole thing, and I, I completely agree with it. Um, <laughs> so let's break down some <laughs> Looney Tunes news because this has caused some cancellations in other yeah. areas, such as yeah. something the podcast was actually very involved with, which is Bugs Bunny at the Symphony. It was a they were supposed to do their first LA concert in three years. It might have been four years because they were supposed to have a, a Bugs Bunny 80th celebration at the Hollywood Bowl, and that got canceled because of 2020's shenanigans with COVID. But you know, uh, it is what it is. Now they were going to return to LA, but at the Microsoft Theater at the end of this month. It was supposed to be July 30th, and it is now postponed. We do not have a day that it will come back. Uh, I really hope that it is soon, uh, but I think that it is due to the fact that in the press release, it said that there were going to be special guests. And I think the special uh. guests might have been sag after actors and they can mm -hmm. no longer attend. And so it has created a postponement for this fantastic concert that my wife Sabine and I caught in Vegas and I really hope people get out there to see it I know it's still traveling the world and it's going to come home soon to to Vegas and you know to you know the U.S. so you know just keep an eye out I'm going to be posting about it on my social media any updates that come our way and the other one is really unfortunate because mm -hmm. it is dealing with Comic-Con Comic-Con is mm -hmm. next week I'm sorry. Comic-Con is this week. Is this week. We were supposed to have a Tiny Toons panel with the newly announced cast on stage with Ashley Crystal Harrison, who was on stage last year alone. Well, Eric Bowser was moderating and he's playing Buster Bunny now, but you know, it, it was, you know, not known at the time that we had two Tiny Toons on stage. Now we would have had four. And instead of that, we're having zero because they are no longer able to promote it. Uh, so we are, we are getting the chance. We've been invited to check out the first episode. And so I will be reviewing that episode because I was asked to do it beforehand before the strikes happened. And I, I, I'm still excited to see what this is, what, how it turned out, what this episode entails, how it introduces Tiny Toons to a new generation. And in this, in this ballroom, we're also getting a preview of Looney Tunes Cartoons Last Batch, which is dropping on Bugs' 83rd birthday, July 27th this year. I cannot wait. And I, I am going to do a full-on celebration that week for... Everything Looney Tunes, you cannot, everything Looney Tunes cartoons, you cannot imagine the scope of which I'm going to be posting because this is the last we're ever going to see of this era of Looney Tunes. And I am devastated, but I'm also oh. excited to see what they're, what they're holding back, what, what the last hurrah of this is going to be. I mean, we already know that there's like some really insane animation going on with, a Daffy Duck meets the Dodo Bird episode. Like, I just cannot wait to see what all this entails. 
I, you know what, as someone who is also going to Comic-Con and was really looking forward to it, um, the Tiny Toons panel was really on my, my itinerary because yeah. I loved the, those cartoons growing up. Um, I loved Buster. I loved Babs. I remember the theme song very, very well. <laughs> um, so it was so disappointing to me to, to hear that it, it had been canceled obviously for understandable reasons. And I, I totally, yeah. reasons I support completely, but man, that could have been my first glimpse to see it. You know, I was really excited for that. And I know that I will down the line. I know all this stuff is going to get resolved down the line and we'll be able to, to see Bugs Bunny at the symphony again. Um, yes. We'll be able to, to see this cartoon um, to, to see Luniversity when it, when it debuts. Um, and eventually we'll be able to see these, these uh, Looney Tunes cartoons, which by the way, to your point, Jonathan, like, this has been one of my favorite eras of of the Looney Tunes in, in in their entire existence. It's so brilliant. Yeah, I love the poster. It's it's so perfect. When when Max debuted uh, as HBO Max, um, there wasn't a whole lot to see on it. I mean, there weren't a lot of exclusives. South Park wasn't even part of it. Um, and the one thing that kept me going, the one thing that made me think this was actually this, this might have potential as a streaming platform was Looney Tunes cartoons because Absolutely. it was just so freaking amazingly done. I didn't realize that this was kind of going to be the end of the era for this this uh, era of Looney Tunes. So I'm just I'm, I'm sad to hear that, you know, I, I thought they would just keep this going. <laughs> yes, I totally agree. And it's going to be a send off of epic proportions across all of my platforms. And the last thing that we're going to be seeing is the a preview of things to come in season two of Bugs Bunny Builders. That is a preschool centered Bugs Bunny centered Looney Tunes show with all of the characters that you know and love. And they're teaching moral lessons. They're teaching friendship. They're teaching building structures together. And it's a really great show. And I think it needs to be seen more by families because I think it has a lot of potential to be uh, a fan favorite amongst children. So um, we're going to be seeing that and I'll be promoting that as well as far as, you know, what I have seen, what I saw, what I think of it. And uh, yeah, just celebrating the work of Eric Bauza, Sean Denis Perak, and everyone involved with Bugs Bunny's Builders because it is a a very, like, it's awesome it's a it's a kid friendly show with these characters in an all new way and you're getting new interactions you're getting and they're introducing speedy next season like that's great oh, um, nice. so i cannot wait to see what what we're going to be shown and yeah i'll be reporting on it from everywhere so moving on to a bit yeah. of a bummer <laughs> because <laughs> warner archives they're, they've been doing these collections of classic movies restored, re revamped for, you know, Blu-ray. And one of their releases is the Howard Hawks epic Land of the Pharaohs from 1955. And on it, in the press release, it was, what's, what's up with these press releases? And <laughs> not coming to fruition. Um, the press release said it was originally going to include a restored Looney Tunes short, Sahara Hair, that is... Yosemite Sam on a camel going, whoa, camel, whoa, camel. <laughs> Camels is Classic. so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it still mentions it on the back cover art, but it will not be included in the disc. It was absent from the discs <sighs> that have gone out. So I don't know if they're going to, you know, re-release it with the, with the cartoon on it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I just know that right now, if you find that on store shelves or you order it, you're not going to get the cartoon. Um, so that's kind of a bummer. And what a bummer, yeah. I mean, like, oh, that's lame. We Sorry. want more restored cartoons out of this, right? Like, if, yeah. they're, if they're pulling that's a classic from the too. Archives, it is a classic. If they're pulling from yeah, the archives, like, Sam. you're pulling from the best, and yet you're not delivering. Like, what is happening? Yeah. Just dropping the ball. In other shocking news, Warner Archives Collection is set to release a film that got Chuck Jones removed from Warner Brothers. And I don't know if you know this history, Mike, but he was moonlighting as a co-writer with his wife on a screenplay for a Judy Garland gym directed by his longtime collaborator, Abe Levito. Now, Abe took over his directing 
uh, duties on Looney Tunes later in the the years because he was part of that Frizz Freeling, uh, the the Freeling to Patty era. So like the 70s stuff, he directed a lot of that. And I was just never really a big fan of anything he directed. It just kind of didn't have the same uh, lush creativity that Chuck Jones brought to something. But Chuck Jones yeah. was just writing on this and he really didn't think the studio was going to find out because it was independently produced by a company mm-hmm. at the time called UPA. And mm-hmm. the studio was like really underground. Like they were doing like a lot of movies, but like n- not on big budgets and like with, you know, whoever they could round up really. And so Chuck Jones and his wife thought they were fine. Well, turns out tragically, Warner Brothers picked up the film for distribution rights. And as soon as the front office discovered who had worked on it, Chuck Jones was out the door (laughs) for violating his contract with the studio. And he was no longer able to make Looney Tunes anymore. And it was just like, what? (laughs) It's like, do you know, you know, it's just, (laughs) it's so interesting that, that we're talking about this in light of stupid ass studio decisions. right? Right. I mean, like this is, this is the perfect time to talk about <laughs> studio system censoring classic artists and writers, you know, um, from from actually continuing their work of art because of literally because of what they're do what what they're paid to do, which is write and yeah. and create, you know. So I think that's actually it couldn't be more perfect that we're talking about this. Um, so I, I I thought that was very interesting when we highlighted this as as one of our our topics today Um, because it's just the timing could not be more perfect, John. Is bravo, honestly. (laughs) Well, it it was the timing wise, not so much of a difference was made because the section of Warner Brothers, the cartoon studio at Termite Terrace was actually shut down a year later, actually less than a year later, due to rising costs and declining returns of short subject productions. And the last movie that was worked on at Termite Terrace before the shutdown was, do you know what this is? Do you know the movie? Was it not Gay Paris, right? Not what we're talking about right now, right? It's not. Okay. Uh, I give up. It is The Incredible Mr. Limpet, a movie. No way. Yes. Yeah. A movie with Don Knotts okay. who gets turned into a fish. And yeah. I grew up on that movie and I had no idea that people from Looney Tunes worked on it, first of all. And second of all, I had no idea that was the like the the straw that broke the camel's back with yeah. that. Like what? The nail in the coffin. Whoa. Because it's such a classic movie. I remember the songs too. The I wish I was a fish song and, and everything. The animation, yeah. in my opinion, now that you mentioned that people from, you know, Looney Tunes kind of contributed to that movie, I can kind of see it in the animation, right? I can kind yeah. of see the style of, of Mr. Limpet when it gets turned to a fish and everything like that. It's very, very Looney Tunes, like, which, which I kind of love. Um, but man, yeah, that that was a it's a classic movie. No one ever remembers it for being the nail in the coffin for a <laughs> studio. You know? Exactly. Unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the film we're talking about is called Gay Perry. It's a take yeah. on the you know, the movie Gay Perry, uh Happy in mm-hmm. Paris. And it is about some mice. Uh, so they have really fun names, uh, Mouser, Jean, Tom, and a house cat, Muset, uh, Mew, Meow, you know, like these are in the names <laughs> throughout. Um, they're living in the French countryside and Muset wants to experience the more refined things in life and excitement around Paris. And he, she unwittingly falls into the clutches of Meow, Maurice. Maurice, who came up with his names? Chuck, what are you doing? These are hard names to say. <laughs> um, but but the Blu-ray allegedly has three newly restored Looney Tunes on it. Allegedly, allegedly. Let's wait till the disc comes out. <laughs> uh, for sentimental reasons, French Rarebit—that's a Bugs Bunny cartoon—and Lover Come Back. Uh, those other two are Pepe Le Pew cartoons, and we didn't think Pepe Le Pew was getting any love. Well, it turns out. He's getting a little bit of love if he's included in these restored cartoons on this disc. But, Mike, you have seen this movie. 
I remember seeing it, actually. Um, wow. I was really young when I watched it. And for those of you wondering how I watched it um, as a kid in the 90s, um, you know, my family would go to the library as, as kids did back then. Um, yeah, for those yeah, of I you from the Gen Z era listening, libraries are these buildings where they house books. And sometimes <laughs> you could uh, you could rent these things called VHSs, which are like bricks that you'd stick in tape players. Um, oh, man, taking this back. <laughs> and, um, my sister, you know, and I were always allowed to rent some some videos and stuff from the library. Um, and she picked out Gay Paris. Um, because she she loved Paris and, you know, it was it was I, I was going to be honest, you know, I mean, back when I was a kid, there was, you know, girls had cooties. They were icky, all that stuff. So I, I wouldn't pick girl girl movies like my sister would. I would pick like Ninja Turtles and Power Rangers and stuff, which obviously. Five goes be, west, yeah. Five will goes west. Oh, man. I love the American Tale series. Love um, yeah. But my sister, my sister picked Gay Paris. Um, and I watched mm -hmm. it because I was like, it, it, it looks like Looney Tunes. Let's be honest. It's a cartoon, right? Um, so I ended up watching cartoons. Yeah. And I'm sorry to say this, guys. I was bored as hell um, because I was, I, I think a lot of the movie and the, the story and all of that stuff kind of went over my head as like a six-year-old kid or a seven-year-old kid. Sure. Sure. Um, and, and my sister really liked it. I think she loved, she loved Paris. She was, uh, you know, a huge Francophile, everything like that when she was growing up. Um, she's, she's about five years older than me. So she was about 11. She probably understood the messages a lot better than I did as well. Um, sure. but, uh, but overall, I remember not liking this movie and I never saw it since. Um, I do remember the characters. I remember, um, you know, the Musette definitely um, made an impact, especially with Judy Garland voicing her and everything. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, for me, I have not seen that movie since I was a kid. I remember the cats, the animals, you know, some of the music. Um, but uh, but I also remember not being a fan. And who knows if I saw it today on, on the restored version, especially with uh, the the three Looney Tunes shorts on it, maybe I'd actually, uh, maybe maybe I'll appreciate it a lot better this time, especially since I'm actually not six and afraid of cooties. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and no shade to Abe Levitow. Um, he worked on some of the classic Chuck Jones shorts, like yeah. What's Opera Doc. Like, we're not throwing him anywhere near the bus. Like, he is, he's a fantastic uh, contributor to the history of animation. Yeah. I was just talking about, like, his directorial signature wasn't as standoutish as chuck jones oh, yeah. um, but he did direct this and it, there are even some chuck jones isms in the expressions i watched in the trailer and in clips and it does star judy garland mm -hmm. robert goulet mm -hmm. red buttons and mel blank is the, is a voice of a bulldog uh paul freese is the voice of mal reese <laughs> and yeah, a Thurl Ravencroft is a singing hench cat. So, like, they, they did bring over some Looney Tunes voice actors as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Dorothy Jones really was, like, the big proponent here, and that is Chuck Jones's wife. And so that is why Chuck Jones got involved. And the other credited writer is Ralph Wright. Right. But, yeah, this didn't really captivate me. I've actually never seen it, but that's okay because we're all human. We're all here to watch media. It is not going away. <laughs> I mean, honestly, if it's if it was never really openly available, and this is like a movie that let's let's be honest, it didn't do well at the box office, right? So you'd think that yeah. a studio will probably do what it can to bury its its losses, you know. Um, well, so, that's so surprised it's getting this restoration and this Blu-ray release. Yeah, I, I guess maybe you know cult classic over time i'm not quite sure what the logic is behind that you know especially if not a whole lot of people have have actually seen this um but if the studio is not making it available then done there's no way you could have you could have sought this out you know i right. mean like where would you have found this right i mean like exactly. there was no youtube back then or anything like that either so it's like you'd really have to have gotten lucky and gone to a random library where some video store decided to donate it to the library because it wasn't getting rented by anyone at, at Blockbuster, you know, to actually find this. Exactly. Uh, what are the odds of that, right? So, um, yeah, no one, no one would ever blame you if you hadn't even seen this. I'd be hard pressed to find a whole lot of folks that that might even have, have might even have heard of it, you know. Um, so, it's it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut that you 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 researched and and you added to this agenda. That's that's pretty cool, you know. 
Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's you know, it's part of Looney Tunes history. It's you, you got to yeah. talk about what is relevant to the Looniverse and the yeah. greater Looniverse has these guys, and you know, they had some some tricky past elements that we got to talk about. So yeah. that was one of them. Uh, he unfortunately got fired from WB, but again, didn't make that much of a difference. Now, putting Bugs Bunny on the face of Kool Aid is a unique move as well. Beat it, you crazy wabbit! Pre-sweetened Kool-Aid is sweetened without sugar. Mothers like that. So do I, Doc. Squam, wabbit! <laughs> but they did it. They did it. Yeah. And something that Dan Romanelli, who's a friend of the podcast, was on and talked about was, you put Bugs Bunny on something, it's going to sell. And yeah. that is exactly what happened. So between the era of the bad Looney Tunes, as we call them, <laughs> the De Patty Freeling era, um, Looney Tunes were being used in other capacities, such as selling alphabets and Ting, and a slew of other like post cereals and other merchandise. And they were a hit. Not only were they a hit, they had catchy theme songs. Mm -hmm. And Mel Blank did the voice of all of them. Yeah. Start your day a little bit better. Start your day with a cereal from Post. Start your day a little bit better. Better start out with the most. With a little bit better cereal fresh from Post. You watch some of these commercials. Like back in the day, it, the the black and white era commercials, because they didn't yeah. want to have too much funding, you know, yeah. put into commercials. They were still black and white in between the color segments. And these primarily were associated with the Bugs Bunny show, which was in full mm -hmm. color. Mm -hmm. What was your takeaway after watching a, a slew of these back to back to back? I loved it. I, I'm going to be honest. Uh, to me, it was like watching little Looney Tunes cartoons that were like one to two minutes each. I mean, yeah. there's, there, there, you know, I, the, the, the appeal of Looney Tunes is, especially of Bugs' cartoons, is how he one-ups all of his adversaries, whether it's Elmer, whether it's, it's Yosemite Sam. And, and what are these, if not two-minute shorts of Bugs just ripping on Elmer, ripping on, on, on Yosemite Sam, on all of these yeah. characters, um, and, and one-upping them to get Kool-Aid or, or Alphabets or whatever. This is... You know, I mean, like we see this all the time with with unnamed characters sometimes that have become iconic mascots, of course, like Lucky the Leprechaun or uh, the, the Cookie Crisp Wizard or the Wolf yeah. or whatever, you know, but but with car, car, uh, cartoons that were just so iconic um, that we love that we know beyond just what they sell. And in fact, they're more famous for things that they're not selling versus the things that they are selling. Um, it's a joy. It's a joy to see these and to enjoy them. And yeah, I'm going to be honest. I mean, like watching a slew of these back to back really gave me a craving for Kool-Aid. <laughs> I can taste that Kool-Aid now. Dweema. Hi, kids. It's time for Kool-Aid to go-go. First you shake like a package when you hear this tune. Doing it cool. The Kool-Aid cool. The next thing you do is spin like a spoon. Doing it cool. The Kool-Aid cool. Now you put on this happy smile. It worked, okay? I mean, like, inside, I'm a six-year-old kid that is easily brainwashed by Bugs Bunny selling me stuff, so... Um, aren't yeah. we all? Aren't we all, right? <laughs> I mean, if Bugs Bunny's on more stuff, then I'm totally going to buy it, because, you know, what a good way to sell... What, what a good way to sell alphabets and, and Kool-Aid, you know? Um, Truly. But yeah, loved it, loved it. And it, I, I found it really compelling because the animation is really good. Really and good. I found out that it was actually Frizz Freeling, Chuck Jones, and Rob McKimson, who actually, like, those are the guys that directed the classic shorts, as well as Tex Avery, who returns to these characters after a 20-year hiatus. They right. were directing these cartoons, these, these um, promos for these brands. And how they got them, I have no idea. <laughs> but but thankfully they I do. mean like to me that's that 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 explains so much uh to be honest I mean like the commercials had the same kind of quality it, it makes a lot of sense actually that it's still Fritz Freelang it's it's still these these legends um because they had that quality it, like I said it 
felt like watching little cartoons, mini one one to two minute cartoons, but they're actually commercials. They're actually ads with the same quality. Um, and and to put them in black and white really doesn't diminish from the dynamic motion of these characters that reminds you literally of every every uh, Looney Tunes uh, cartoon that you'd be watching at the time. So I'm I'm really impressed that they they managed to get these guys for for commercials. Um, I mean, like, I'm, I'm just so impressed and I, I love them and engaged with them really well. So they, you know, good on them, honestly, you know, that's absolutely right. Especially with the black and white, you know, transfer of these yeah. characters and the, the medium doesn't really matter because you're still getting really great animation out of here. And I know Art Davis worked on the intro for the Bugs Bunny show, and I'm sure he continued to work on these promos as well. It is just a a fantastic display. And as you said, it's as dynamic as the cartoons themselves. And, you know, going through, you know, this was happening in the 60s and they started bringing in swing dancing and, you know, the the hippie movement and everything. It was really fun to see, you know, Bugs Bunny, like, uh, get involved with that. And he even, like, to, to get out of a situation, he kisses Elmer or he puts on drag and like he's doing everything that, you know, Bugs would do in those situations. It just happened to be for selling alphabet cereal yeah. instead of just, you know, surviving, you know, yeah. and it was so cool to see these because I had never seen these before. You can find them on YouTube and obviously I'm going to put a lot of them into my Instagram so you can check them out. Um, but moving on, we had the Bugs Bunny show. full resurgence of these in the seventies. And, you know, they got the the color aspect. You you brought in some really great work, uh, but it was ultimately a compilation show uh, Mm -hmm. with these interstitial commercials and with like promo segments. And the, the idea of this is so strong that it continued into the 90s with the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show, which is when I arrived to the scene. Right. Bunny and Tweety show. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. (laughs) (laughs) And you had Bugs Bunny and Tweety Bird together in this intro that was so joyous, such a celebration of each character as they're on parade. And then you get to Michael Jordan and Nike. This could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's all, folks. Well, that's my line. Yeah. That is a collaboration in the history books of best collaborations because it not wow. only led to a multi-million dollar hit with Nike selling shoes, but also a rebrand for Looney Tunes and coming into the fold, being revitalized into kids, into a new generation for Space Jam. Look, I want to help. Michael Jordan. Bugs Bunny. They teamed up to save the world from some alien abductors. I'm right behind you, pal. Now, Michael's gonna reach new heights, and Bugs is gonna fall for a lucky lady named Lola. Michael Jordan, Bugs Bunny, Space Jam. Oh, man, I remember those cartoons so well, honestly. Um, Hair Jordan, you know, I mean, was was awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, and and <laughs> honestly, it made me, me want to buy underwear, right? I mean, like... <laughs> I had to have uh, Nike shoes. It was crazy. Yeah, uh, and and Hanes too. You know, I mean, like I I really enjoyed just seeing Bugs and and Michael. And and here's the thing, I you know, dating. I'm I'm very impressed because when we think about Bugs and Michael, you know, the Looney Tunes, you know, interacting with live action. 
um, which we would see again, you know, a lot more in the future, especially after those commercials. Um, right. I, I was taking a look back at the, the commercials from the 60s that you sent me, Jonathan, um, just the Kool-Aid ones. Right. And you actually yeah. had these very early instances of bugs interacting with kids in live action. You know, you had these live action dancing kids and you had bugs doing that. And I didn't even realize that these were live action collaborations with the Looney Tunes before Michael Jordan, because, yeah. you know, a kid of the 90s, the first real interactions of bugs with with live action or Daffy with live action were commercials. Right. Like um, the 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 visa check card, I think the Daffy one. I mean, of course, you had you had cartoons and movies at the time with budgets like Anchors Away um, with yep. Jerry dancing with um, uh, Gene Kelly and everything. But you Correct. didn't really I mean, I mean, who would have thought that the commercials, which would be a lot lower budget than a movie like Anchors Away, would also feature these characters uh, kind of interacting with each other in, in pretty believable ways, um, which I thought was kind of cool. So so this whole you know, history of the Looney Tunes in these live action commercials predating Michael Jordan was something that was mind blowing to me that you introduced me to. So I'm, I'm super grateful that you sent over those compilations and I got a chance to, to watch them uh, because now it's just questioning my the entire rea my, my entire reality where I thought that Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan were the first instance of commercials with the Looney Tunes in live action. Um, so, so thank yeah, you for not that. Yeah. Of course, yeah. It totally Showing me the was, code uh, to the Matrix. It's it's pretty cool, you know. I mean, like, yeah. Um, no, no, but, it was a but shock to me as well. Yeah, those 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 Haynes commercial, those Michael Jordan's Nike commercials and the Haynes commercials, man, I I love them so much. And when Space Jam came out, that was exactly why I was so excited to see that movie because of those commercials. Um, so everything, everything that I really ended up learning to love um about bugs bunny about these characters came from yeah the the uh bugs bunny and tweety show for sure um and then um to a degree old old tapes of the the bugs bunny and roadrunner show um and then of course michael jordan oh, yeah. and and space jam so that's that was like my real history with the looney tunes there you know commercials and amazing little saturday morning cartoons yeah, very much the same. Also, quick caveat, before Anchors Away and Jerry the Mouse dancing, yeah. uh, <laughs> we had Bugs Bunny with Doris Day in oh. the movie My Dream is Yours from 1949. And that oh is the first true um, like occurrence of live action with a very popular animated character uh, in a oh, feature. Wow. I didn't even know that. That's huge. Yeah, I haven't really done an episode on that one yet, um, but you're, you're getting my gears turning. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That aspect is totally undervalued in these car in these commercials because yeah. he is interacting with kids in the '70s and the '60s. Like he's interacting with a cereal bowl. Like he's holding up a real item, and those those same techniques of filmmaking were applied to i mean just on a huge massive scale to everything going on in who framed roger rabbit and yeah. as you can see it holds up it works and if you want to see the start like where all of that originated from go watch these commercials they are really really well done yeah so much fun honestly i i i learned so much just from the commercials alone that you sent me i I can't wait for people to see them themselves because like I was just charmed by them. They're funny as hell. They're really cute as hell too. Uh, they really are like watching Looney Tune shorts, but more, more than that, you know, it's just this, this un, 
it's it's a it's a moment in animation history that I don't think gets a whole lot of exposure or credit because it's it's kind of big, you know, when you think about the idea of A-list animated characters pitching alphabets and pitching, you know, today we've got yeah. Fred and Barney selling us Fruity Pebbles, sure, mm-hmm. um, but but going that far back to use these characters for for something like that, that's that's mind blowingly interesting, you know. I I love that, you know. It's fascinating. It really is. And sticking with the 90s, because I don't want to move on too quickly. Yeah, of course. I, I'm going to I'm gonna track back just a, a hair. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended, but there is a pun there. We had a Holiday Inn celebration for Bugs' 50th birthday. Yeah. And that coincided with the release of uh, video games, of cartoons, of uh, just an overall, like, hey, remember Bugs Bunny? Like, he hasn't gone away, you know, kind of feeling. And Six Flags was also in its heyday of marketing. But when you put Elmer Fudd and Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny at a Holiday Inn, it made five-year-old Jonathan really want to go to a Holiday Inn. Nobody comes to my hotel since that rabbit came to Holiday Inn. Looks like rabbit season. Yeah. Let's get him. Follow Bugs Bunny to Holiday Inn. Rabbit, we have a surprise for you. The only hotel celebrating Bugs' 50th birthday. A summer of fun, a special great race. Aha! It's the end, Rabbit. And the deep end. The dawn rabbit. <laughs> She'll make a splash with the family and stay with someone you know, Doc. And when my family was getting ready to go on vacation, I asked nonstop if we were going to go to a Holiday Inn so I could see Bugs Bunny and the night and the 50th uh, anniversary celebration because I wanted to know what that was all about. And if cartoons were there, I really wanted to be there. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So this Holiday Inn commercial is incredible it is again using live action elements against animated elements you have elmer and this mascot for holiday inn running across water realizing it and then falling into the water like you have these elements that you would get in a classic cartoon but again it's crammed into a 45 minute like masterclass on how to do this and it was just like mind-blowing that they that they took the time to put this money and this effort into something that is just a a like gimmick to go to Holiday Inn, but it worked on me as a kid. Did you see this one as a kid? I I don't remember seeing it as a kid, and honestly, when you sent it to me, I was I was disappointed that I grew up my entire childhood not seeing this commercial because this definitely would have wanted it gotten me to a Holiday Inn pretty quickly. Honestly. <laughs> It's it's such a cute commercial and and in the spirit of of things like you know the alphabets commercial which which felt like real Looney Tunes cartoons in 30 seconds you gave us a Looney Tune cartoon with with bugs yeah. a, a kind of outsmarting uh, Elmer but also the the poor guy from Holiday Inn who's just doing his job I mean like, <laughs> it's it's hilarious wrong place also, at the wrong time yeah wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> But what a what a you know the Holiday Inn people I gotta say they're they're like the smartest hotel chain ever in terms of how to how to appeal to kids how to appeal to families because their usage of of pop culture uh, popular kids uh, you know properties was was on par it, it was it was really really strong you had Bugs Bunny in in these nineteen nineties commercials later on you're going to see them team up with Nickelodeon for things like Rugrats and and you know Arnold and Angry Beavers and stuff um and I remember those commercials but you know knowing that it goes even further back to to Bugs's 50th birthday in 1990 was super fascinating to me and what a charming cute commercial I really wish that like the quality of 90s commercials was a lot clearer because I'm dying to know who the guy who plays the Holiday Inn you know bellhop is because same. I mean, seems familiar, but oh man, it's mad props to him for playing along because that was such a charming commercial. It really is. And another one that brought me back to my childhood was this 1996 commercial with Leanne Rhymes. Put a little holiday in your heart It'll put a little shuffle in your stay 
Tunes party at Target. Like, what? There's a Looney Tunes holiday party at Target and I'm not invited? <laughs> With Leanne Rhymes, apparently. With Leanne Rhymes? <laughs> and there's a whole song? Listen to this song. Give you a song that you can sing With a melody you can't forget And if you want to join in a little harmony To keep the world from tearing apart Well, you know where to look Yeah, you gotta put a little holiday in your heart How awesome is that song? Like, what? Where, where did this come from? Where did this go? I need to know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any information on this. I just know that I remembered this as a kid and I obviously it was already shopping at Target, but yeah, I was m even more excited about going to Target now. Um, <laughs> did you see this one as a kid either? I, you know what? I never, I don't remember this one growing up as a kid, um, which is so crazy okay. because it, it was it was at a time where I was old enough to remember Leanne Rhymes. Leanne Rhymes was certainly popular in my school, you know, in at least fourth, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. Um, and I don't remember this commercial at all. I really feel like I would have remembered it because, you know, I mean, it's it's a really the animation's fantastic in this commercial for one thing. Um, just even watching these characters line dance and you know, perfect sync and everything like that. Um, really, really well yeah. done work by the filmmakers. You you had like really you know witch hazel I think is in this commercial. You you had um I'm so sorry who's who's the cat that Pepe Le Pew's always chasing after again um, Penelope the pussycat yeah Penelope in there as well um all of these 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 you know major characters but also minor characters kind of doing this line dance and I'm like I I kind of love this it's so it's so well put together it's so well done the song is catchy as hell too. Props to Leanne Rhymes, you know. Um, I don't, I don't know if she wrote it. I don't know who, if Target wrote it or whatever. But, but it was, a, it was a really, really cute commercial. Um, only, only yeah. what six years maybe after the Holiday Inn one. Um, but, but exactly, yeah. but the same year as Space Jam. So it's, it's called Harmonious Holiday, and it's directed by Daryl Van Critters, and it has the exact same level of detail in the animation as Space Jam. And it, mm -hmm. it just it combines Looney Tunes with another star. And I'm wondering if this was part of a, you know, a marketing technique to see who else they wanted to pair Looney Tunes with. And had they made a Leanne Rhymes Looney Tunes movie, I don't know if that would have blown up the world. I don't know why we didn't get that. But, you know, we didn't get that. <laughs> we didn't get a lot of things with Looney Tunes. There was supposed yeah. to be a golf jam with Tiger Woods. There was supposed to be Spy wow. Jam with Jackie Chan. I'm going to do a whole yeah. episode on missed opportunities for Looney Tune movies uh, after Space Jam was a screaming success. But I digress. We got this wonderful Target commercial. Be one of the first people at Target's two-day sale Friday morning and get a free duck dinner! Just a minute, bub. Research indicates chicken is preferred four to one. I represent that remark, son. Why, everybody knows it's ham for the holidays. P-I-G ham. If that idea is ridiculously, uh, ridiculously uh, half-baked. Like the best guy's got the most yeah. How about a gift bag? Be one of the first people at Target's two-day sale Friday morning and get a free gift bag stuffed with goodies. And surprisingly, it's not a Walmart commercial. That's the part that gets me. It was like, oh, yeah, should right? this in Walmart? <laughs> yeah. I mean, were, were the Looney Tunes and Walmart just not speaking to each other in the year in 1996? I mean, like, was, was Target <laughs> the official sponsor of Space Jam or something? Because I, I remember Walmart being mentioned a lot in 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 um space jam or am i thinking back in action actually i'm sorry i might be confusing segment. that with back in action yeah yeah <laughs> no you're good this is a perfect segment to talk about looney tunes back in action which did have a walmart scene in it and yeah. a lot of cross promo with sprint and yeah. there is a full-on commercial with foghorn leghorn bugs bunny daffy duck promoting sprint then Boggs replaces your picture phone with dynamite and your head blows clean off. You do have an extra head, don't you, Boggs? No, this is... Props! It's my commercial! It's my phone! It's mine, mine, mine! What's the matter, friend? Your phone don't take pictures? Uh-oh. <laughs> Smile, baby. <laughs> so who should we send it to? Stop the peeing of the air, peeing of the air. Picture mail from Sprint. Now at Sprint stores, get a PCS Vision picture phone for $99.99. Ow! 
<laughs> and you know, it's just it's crazy, it's loony, but it's in the same vein as yeah. Looney Tunes. Like that's what you want. Yeah. And they're utilizing the characters in a really unique way. And the AT&T Sprint uh combining actually took to a new heights for commercials with Looney Tunes because in 2009 we got a really cute Valentine's Day centered one with Pepe Le Pew sending texts to Penelope Pussycat and it is adorable. The animation is insane. I'm pretty sure Eric Goldberg worked on this because he had to have like all of the, the colors are awesome. It's so vibrant. I I'm just astounded by the artistry here. You yeah. saw this commercial. What did you think of this AT&T commercial uh, I mean, starring Pepe Le Pew? First off, between the AT&T commercial and the Sprint commercial, I feel old as hell because flip phones, <laughs> I mean, they're they're advertising flip phones with, with, you know, color picture. And I'm like, that was revolutionary at the time. And I'm like, dude, um, if, only, if only we knew how far phones would go from this. But I digress. Uh, the animation, especially in the AT&T commercial, is phenomenal. It really feels like a a new, like Looney Tunes movie uh, or or a high budgeted um, cartoon. The the backgrounds, which usually aren't like the main focus of of a lot of these commercials, um, are are so vibrantly done. I mean, it really looks gorgeous, and and the way that these characters blend into those well painted and well put together backgrounds. Honestly, it felt like a high budget, uh, a, a really high budget um, uh, Looney Tunes cartoon. Hello, my love. I miss you. I will kiss and kiss you. <laughs> this phone is the little charmer, no? Who, who doesn't get excited when they see like a, a message from their crush, like on the other side of the phone, you know, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I know. I, I, it was a, it's a charming, it's, it's a really charming 27 second commercial, you know? I mean, like, I enjoyed it and I loved the artwork and it's just, yeah, I mean, I wish we had these Matrix phones again. You know, this makes me want a Matrix <laughs> phone, you know? Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Just the nostalgia of the, the Matrix phone is now like <laughs> ingrained in us. Um, <laughs> So that was 2009. Let's fast forward to the next big occurrence of Looney Tunes in a commercial. 2021. Yep. And that is Eric Bauza voicing Marvin the Martian in a Super Bowl commercial for Walmart. Yep. Take a listen. Excellent. Sustenance. Oh, goody. Here are your groceries. How awesome is <laughs> How awesome is that? You have these intergalactic extraterrestrial characters coming together from different properties and Marvin the Martian is there. And not only is Marvin the Martian there. Marvin the Martian is there in his Looney Tunes cartoons design with K9. How great is that? It, it was really adorable. Um, it, 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 you know, the, the animation for Marvin and, and uh, K-9, it, it just looked really like, really of its, you know, like so, so new. It felt so fresh and so new. Um, and just to see him, you know, first off, Eric, phenomenal job, um, you know, voicing Marvin in this commercial and everything. Um, it, it, he totally. just nails it. I mean, he's so good. Uh, my Filipino brother from another mother right there. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, but Eric Bowser does a terrific job, but I, I loved it. I love their little appearance because this is a celebration of, of all, you know, the most famous sci-fi properties ever. We got, we got, you know, uh, Blade Runner in there. We got Men in Black in there. You know, we got Groot. I was really happy when I saw the, the <laughs> it, it, I think it was the Milano at the time. We even yeah, got Arrival, Milano. which is great. And and you can't think about famous Martians and famous extraterrestrials without thinking of Marvin. So the fact that they included Marvin and K-9 in this commercial, in the ship that we've seen uh, in, in these classic Looney Tunes cartoons, it, it's such a nice homage and, and a, a great service and, and, you know, level, sign of respect, really, um, that they cherish 
uh, Marvin and K-9 as these iconic sci-fi characters alongside the rest of of these pop culture um, icons. Um, so I'm, I'm really glad that they included them in that, you know? Um, and so, shout so out to whoever... And shout out to whoever came up with the idea to put the Mars attacks Martians in this, because yeah. <laughs> that and, is a a deep cut for people that love Tim Burton movies, but also yeah. like that movie. I don't know if it's aged well. I haven't watched it in a while, but for them to be there, I thought was really cool. I love that there's full act act conversations too. By the way, yeah. like, just that's so so. Like if unless you know the movie, you're gonna wonder what the hell is going on. But because that movie has just achieved cult status and it's just it, it's such a brilliant movie, it has aged really well in my opinion. Um, I I thought that that was that was really terrific. And Alex Winter is Bill having yeah. two bills there, having like, two bills. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> it was it was genius. You know, it was it was like Bill from Bill and Ted One, and then Bill from Bill and Ted Face the Music. I love that. Yeah. You know? Um, but yeah, it's so well done. I uh, love that commercial. Do you have any honorable mentions that we didn't discuss, Mike? Because I know I sent you a lot of them. <laughs> no, no. Uh, you know, there was a couple that I discovered. I think um, a lot. You know, first off, the the Six Flags commercials were a big part of my childhood. They obviously Six Flags having having, uh, you know, massive Looney Tunes presence, Bugs Bunny World, yeah. all of that. I, I think the Bugs Bunny Bugs Bunny World section of the park really appealed to me when I was a kid because I couldn't get on the roller coaster rides. Um, but more than that, to see these 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 Looney Tunes show up in these commercials and promos for Six Flags, those made me really want to go to Six Flags and, and hang out with Bugs and the crew. Um, you know, I, I think, honestly, um, those were among my favorites. Um, yeah, you know, the, I, I love all of the visa commercials with Daffy. I feel like there's, there's a lot of, I, you know what I'm thinking, wasn't there a rabbit season, duck season commercial that I'm forgetting about that wasn't that long ago. I don't remember what it was though. I'm sorry. Um, but it was, oh it was gosh. a classic one that I always laughed at and maybe I'm just imagining things. Maybe I just made up a really kick-ass commercial in my head, but, um, I don't know. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember there being a rabbit season, duck season um, commercial. But anyways, um, those those were among some of my favorites. Um, just, you know, appearances of Looney Tunes characters and commercials. Um, and, and honestly, you nailed the best and the biggest ones, uh, John. I mean, especially for me, the Michael Jordan ones were the biggest. Um, yeah, so, so awesome. Oh, uh, I guess the Kids WB promos and the Cartoon Network promos were always awesome. There's... There, you know, when the Flash came out, they did these. A lot of people started um, going viral with this retro ad of the Flash, like racing against Roadrunner and and eventually Speedy Gonzalez. Um, for yeah, let's uh, talk about that real quick. So yeah. I, I wanted to give a shout out because the Cartoon Network building is no longer going to be a Cartoon Network building. Um, they oh. are, you know, it's it's a very sad moment because that building has been there for over twenty years, yeah. and for them just to not you know, be there is a really sad thing. They're also moving Warner Brothers animation away mm. from where it is at the WB Ranch. But yes, back in the day, in the early 2000s, we had these incredible promos for Cartoon Network. And again, they mix live action with animated elements. Now, the one you just mentioned is the mm -hmm. reason why I am currently sitting at 9,000 followers <laughs> on Instagram. And thank you to each and every one of you that have found the podcast through the Instagram. I am very grateful. And and you, that you want to keep up with the Looniverse through me. I am overjoyed by that. But also this, this animated masterpiece. It is a masterpiece. You have the Flash and the Roadrunner coming out of this these two storefronts across the sidewalk from each other, and they they start giving these glares, and then they start running, <laughs> and then Speedy comes out of his little bar cantina, and he joins in, and they just go all over the world. They they have this incredible <laughs> foot race, and everybody's asking who wins. Yep, Mike, I'm going to tell you who wins. We do. We do. <laughs> We're watching this. But on, on a side note. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree. And yeah. <laughs> on a side note, I just got to say congrats to Hookup Animation. They're the ones that 
that actually created this and they have since put out the HD version of this. So you can mm. actually see it with more detail and I will be uploading it with this podcast uh, for everyone to see in greater detail and just like just a celebration of all of the joy this has created. Um, but yeah, like Eric Bowser has been posting Cartoon Network promos with live action elements and you know, just going back to the early 2000s and the heyday of Cartoon Network, it, it really makes me sad that we're not seeing any, you know, more movement with those properties, you know, Powerpuff Girls or Johnny Bravo, Dexter's Lab, yeah. uh, Courage the Cowardly Dog, like so many that I remember fondly as a kid. And now, you know, there, there's a generation that doesn't know who they are. It really makes me sad. You know, art art sometimes gets lost in all of this. And yeah, I mean, I really hope people rediscover these things. I mean, like, just we fancy ourselves pretty big Looney Tunes and fans, and, and we didn't even really know about the Alphabets commercials and stuff. So um, <laughs> eventually, you know what? Good art, you can never keep it down, and cartoons never die, my friend. So, I mean, like, they'll be around. Even if people don't remember them right now, they'll come back sometime soon you know they'll always be exactly around. Mm -hmm. cartoons never die that's a that's a good uh thing to end it on mike <laughs> thank you so much for being on this episode with me where can people find you online uh you can find me at tidybullboy182 on twitter and instagram and threads um but you can also find my work on the nerdsofcolor.org whattowatch.com and that's it la Jonathan, it's been such an amazing pleasure and an honor, sir. I mean, this was a lot of fun. So thank you for having me and, and hope to chat more about these characters with you again down the line. The pleasure is all mine. I get to watch cartoons for this. So thank you. <laughs> and you can follow the podcast over at This Means Pod on Facebook and Instagram or This Means Podcast. We have a blog where you can follow the podcast and every topic that we talked about. It's all laid out there with visuals, with video, however you want to take it. Uh, you can follow the YouTube. Please subscribe to the YouTube over at This Means Podcast. And we're also now on threads at This Means Podcast. Uh, the Twitter is OFC, this means pod, but I don't know how long that's going to be around. So always be up to date on what's going on with the podcast on the Instagram, because that's the best place to learn about the Looniverse and what we got going on. And now a reveal of who won some 59 Nifty New Era Bugs Bunny caps. I gave away two. I did a random generator for those names. If you entered from the Instagram, then you were eligible. All you had to do was write down a Bugs Bunny title for one of the shorts, and it entered you into the contest. Without further ado, here are the winners. Pop Culture Padre who wrote What's Opera Doc, the 1957 Bugs Bunny cartoon, and Legends of Awesome, uh, who wrote What's Up Doc from 1950. If you didn't win, better luck next time, and there will be a next time. So keep an eye out on all of This Means Podcast social media channels to be aware when those go up. And to those lucky winners, I will be reaching out to you very soon to get your mailing info. And keep it right here, because that's not all, folks. Nine lives. Ooh, that scrumptious recipe. No Bugsy in our line of work. I'm glad we have that insurance. Eh, what insurance, Doc? Meep, meep. Nope, that's not it. The one that pays you cash if you get hurt and can't work. And, Dad, it's right on the tip of my bill. Aflac. Ask about it at work. Nothing outlasts the Energizer battery. It keeps going and going and going.